Welcome to Is This Working? The tools we use to work have changed drastically, but how we work hasn't. In this podcast, we explore how we can make work work better for us. We're your hosts, me, Anna Codrerado, and me, Tiffany Philippou. In season two, we'll be exploring new issues related to our working lives, including resilience, boundaries, goals, and motivation. We will be telling more stories from the front lines of modern work, and we have some exciting guests joining us along the way. This isn't about the future of work. This is about what's happening in work right now. Before we begin, we want to say a huge thank you to Moo, who is our sponsor for this episode. Whether you're a big business or a freelance creative, Moo is the place to go to to easily design and print quality business cards. We've got 20% off code for Moo for listeners of Is This Working? Simply enter the code Is This Working at the Moo.com website for 20% off your order. That's Is This Working, all one word with no question mark. The code is also in our show notes. Thank you, Moo. We'll be talking more about Moo later on in the show. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Anna. Tell me, what motivates you? I'm so glad you asked because yesterday I was in a writing workshop where we had to start the day by going around the room and saying why we write and it was one of those moments where the minute you sat you sit down you think I could have answered that so much better so hooray for a second shot at it Um, but a lot of the class were talking about making sense of the world connecting with people and it really made me start thinking why am I actually doing what I'm doing and I actually am often very much in touch with my motivators because obviously I've gone through quite a lot of career change recently in the last couple of years and I'm always thinking why am I doing this what's driving me and I feel like my motivators are constantly shifting or I'm constantly pulling on different ones depending on almost what I need to drive me through the hard times because there'll be times when you get lots of rejection and you almost have to check in like why am I doing this and of course as you know I'm obsessed with the why and knowing why you do stuff which you've kindly mentioned on a few podcasts recently and (laughs) but I think for me with regards to writing specifically um, it's still very new for me and I really enjoy the craft and getting better and I'm quite excited about working on that and what that might look like in a few years time or 10 years time and at the same time I also really enjoy pushing myself or challenging myself because obviously I write a lot of a lot (laughs) of personal essay style pieces and for example with the dating one that I wrote um, that was very much about challenging myself and throwing myself into situations that I might not have done without that commission and deadline and so even though on the one hand yes I was driven by maybe other people who find dating 
really hard will find this helpful I also was thinking what kind of life do I want to lead well I would love to have love in it (laughs) who wouldn't yeah exactly I want to have love in it okay Um, and also at the same time I am maybe too scared or lazy to go out and really make that work so what can I do to almost not force myself but challenge myself and I think in general what kind of life do I lead I want a life where I am constantly challenging myself and stretching and growing and being uncomfortable so that's a really big motivator for me and that keeps me going when I've got still a few weeks to go and I have to keep spending time on eg the dating apps or whatever it might be simultaneously what motivates me and what where I have a lot of hashtag gratitude (laughs) is around (laughs) having a job where I have freedom and space to think and that's amazing and also how have I not mentioned this yet the joy of relationships and working with yours truly so (laughs) shucks (laughs) so when I used to go to school as a little child or nursery or whatever it was um and my mum said I would just run and just talk to kids and hang out with kids and I would never do any work and that was very much my way of being and I think I just really enjoy having chats with people and like learning and about people and thinking about stuff so I find that really exciting as well um sorry I'm sounding also let me talk about money as well actually because I think you can't talk about work and motivation without talking about money so money used to be a huge motivator for me and actually long term in life it still is because money gives you freedom and I value freedom and I value my independence and I also value being able to spend money on a shishi yoga class or whatever it might be but I decided recently to focus more on writing so I'm earning significantly less than I used to and I've had to make lifestyle changes as a result of that so I used to live on my own Um, I'm about being with my parents but I'm about to move in and have a housemate but that's also really exciting because I actually want to have someone to talk to and everything like that so um, that's not necessarily a bad thing but I've made a lot of changes to accommodate the fact that I'm not going to make as much money as I used to for a bit but that's really interesting when you bring up money as a motivator because it doesn't actually sound like you're motivated by money it sounds like you're motivated by freedom and money is a way to get there rather than money is not the end goal because if you were motivated by money you you wouldn't take a pay cut yes and actually so I find it really attractive when a guy has taken a pay cut and I think that's really sexy but in the past I imagine or different people might really value someone who earns as much as possible and I think that actually really reflects the changing times that we're happening that's happening where work is more about purpose or it's not so much about money anymore. So would you say your ideal man is someone who has taken a pay cut in uh, <laughs> in service of the gender pay gap? Um, to pursue something that is more intrinsically motivating it's not so much about the gender payback sorry it's not so much about the gender pay gap more than somebody who has wants to live their life a bit differently so it might they don't necessarily have to be doing something that serves the world and actually I really want to talk about this kind of impact and big change versus small change because we talk about work purpose 
But at the same time, I think a lot of people, myself included, have challenges around, okay, well, so I am motivated a bit by helping people. And I do believe that by writing in a vulnerable and honest way, people can, some people can read it and help, and that can help them. And I think hopefully this podcast helps some people. But at the same time, when you're thinking about impact and whether how big is the impact really going to be and how much does that matter and I think about that quite a lot because as I said I'm going through quite a lot of rejection I mean in all matters of life and um one of them for example is obviously I'm I keep on saying obviously as everyone knows what I'm doing but but you know Anna um but I'm work I'm uh working on this memoir and I sat in a meeting the other day where someone, uh, an agent, so a professional, uh, explained to me why it wouldn't sell, why no one would want to read it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that, that's obviously quite deflating. And at, and then I talked to someone else who's read it and been working with it very closely. Um, he's also from the, the industry, so also professional, but that's a separate, it's a separate thing. And they said, um, your book is changing how I look at the world. And I kind of thought, actually, even if there's, the impact of one or two people I'm actually really comfortable with that and that still drives me and that's kind of when I go back and look at so it's it what look at doing things for my own motivators but also that small like we all have a role to play and it can all be really small but it can all if we all touch two people you know Mm. it, it, it multiplies and it's a beautiful thing and then the final one and then I promise I'll stop talking, (laughs) is about the importance of enjoyment and play in our lives. And I find that a huge motivator as well. So obviously I talked about the relationship side of things, but for me, working with people who do bring me a huge amount of joy joy, (laughs) um, is a huge motivator. And in the workshop I was in yesterday that I spoke about there, one of the sessions was run by this Romanian writer called Carmen Francesca Banciu. And she opened by telling the story about how she lived in a dict- under a dictatorship and under oppression. And she talked about how creativity is how in those environments you can access happiness. And she also said that playfulness is the most important thing of being alive. And under this oppression, she read and write to survive. And I really think about enjoyment and play and how important that is all the time and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing creative work all day I think it's also about enjoying the process being surrounded by people that make you happy and for me that's a huge motivator because I do think a lot about the deathbed wait what that's quite intense what do you mean you think about the deathbed it is intense but I think it's a really important thing to do to live a good life and I think we all just presume that we're going to die when we're really old and in a certain way and that's not really how the randomness of life works but I'm more and I think a lot of us are scared of thinking about our mortality as well because it's quite frightening and actually and you don't want to use it to be like I could die tomorrow so I need to do everything you don't want to, but I think you do want to think about let's say you are you are in that moment of reflection what would you tell yourself about good for you that was great great what might you regret and what might you be thinking and I know without a doubt that if I can look back and say um you had a bloody great time (laughs) you can check out now it's all good you know there's that there's that saying that you should live life um and you should do achievements for your eulogy not for your cv oh I I love that yeah which I think is really nice 
So yeah, so that's kind of what I mean and think about when we're talking about motivation. So should we talk more generally about what we mean when we say motivation, especially say how it's different from productivity? Yes, well, we have obviously done a whole episode on productivity, which if you haven't listened to, you should check it out because there are lots of parallels here to what we're going to be talking about. And really motivation in a sense is the stimulus that helps you arrive at productivity. So you need to be motivated if you are going to be productive. That is the kind of relationship between the two. And then thinking about motivation, one definition I found on psychology today that I think really encapsulated it very well is that motivation is the desire to act in service of a goal. And it's the crucial element in setting and attaining one's objectives. And research shows that people can influence their levels of motivation and self-control. So I think that's a really kind of nice way to think about it. And I, like I said, I think there is, uh, there's a big connection between motivation and productivity. And obviously there's so much discourse at the moment about how to be more productive. And it's a really important part of the conversation to be also talking about motivation because as we will get into in this episode, there are actually quite a lot of misconceptions about motivation and where it comes from and how to get it. So I think let's start by taking it, taking it back. Tiffany, as our resident historian, do you want to tell me, um, do you want to tell me what the kind of history of, of motivation is or sort of let's, let's delve into its, into its background? Well, I was surprised you hadn't heard of this, which I think goes to show how awfully insular startup land is, because basically pretty much every startup I've ever worked at has put on a PowerPoint slide, this thing that is called it's known as Maslow's hierarchy of needs and normally what happens is every startup's like this this is what we've got to achieve um but it is almost one of the first motivational theories and it's a motivational theory which comprises a five-tier model of human needs and it's a hierarchy so what that means obviously is you need to fulfill the bottom of the needs before you can get to the top and at the bottom are things like food shelter air water and then at the top is self-actualization and in between is safety love and belonging and esteem i firstly just want to say that it's quite a problematic model because it's fairly patronizing for certain people and parts of the world about how oh well if you're worrying about if you're hungry then you don't need self-esteem or whatever it might be so it's, it's fairly problematic but what it what is interesting about it is it does acknowledge how there are this complex and multitude of motivations that humans need at one time and presumably that you need to cover those basic ones before you can start thinking about the others but as you say that then brings about quite a problematic issue as well Actually, it's interesting because, again, what's wrong with it is actually why can't someone who is working for money because they need to buy food, why don't they need or crave some of the other aspects of motivation, such as belonging, feeling part of something like they're creating, like they're contributing, that I think they should be entitled to those things as well. Yeah, definitely. And also I think this kind of gets into this other big issue around motivation or not necessarily issue but this other 
this other point about motivation is that there are two main sources of motivation intrinsic and extrinsic motivators and we have actually discussed this before I think on the productivity episode we uh, we've definitely discussed the difference between intrinsic and yes and on the success episode um but just to recap essentially an intrinsic motivator is something that comes from within you and an and an and an extrinsic motivator is something that comes from it's an outside force. So for example, money is an extrinsic motivator or being rewarded in some way is an extrinsic motivator. Whereas just wanting to do something for the enjoyment of it is an intrinsic motivator. There's so much science, which I found this absolutely fascinating when I was researching for this episode. All the science about motivation basically says that intrinsic motivators are, um, are better and that not only that there's a whole body of research that has looked at the relationship between promising someone a reward and then measuring the outcome and more often than not when you promise people a reward they actually perform more poorly as a result so the best predictor of high quality achievement is actually intrinsic motivations um, I'll link at the I'll link in the show notes, but I found a really great article written by Alfie Cohen, who is um, a writer on human behavior and education, and he's pretty much rounded up all of the studies out there that has looked at this phenomenon. And the conclusion basically is that we need to be focusing more on intrinsic motivation. And as this relates to the workplace, I think this is where it gets really interesting because when you think about it, and this is also true of the education system, but in the workplace, everything is designed around in extrinsic motivators. So how you're compensated, just, you know, even just getting, obviously getting paid a salary, but bonuses, pay rises, things like employee of the month, all of these things are rewards that you get for doing work that are external rewards that these are these are very intrinsic motivators it's interesting because when you think about motivation in the workplace you think of a good leader being like i'm gonna rally the team i'm gonna get them pumped i'm gonna be like okay everybody we're like changing the world or whatever or you play a big role but actually it's so much something about the self and knowing your own motivations and why you're there so the messages are very confused i think about what motivation means in the workplace so what you just said is fascinating well also kind of to bring this also back to what you were talking about at the beginning because obviously you're on your you're going on a writing journey I am also of course a writer and I think there is a real parallel here with with writing as a profession because you are as you described so eloquently at the beginning you are very in, in intrinsically motivated to write and that need to write is coming from inside you but there is a difference between writing because you feel the need to do it and then being in the business of writing and being a professional writer. That makes me think, is there such thing as good or bad motivation? That is a really great question because especially if we're thinking, you know, we keep talking about intrinsic and extrinsic and we kind of almost have put them on this binary that, you know, extrinsic motivators are inherently bad motivators. And that is very much flattening this conversation, I think, around what drives us. If I think about my own personal motivators, I, I've i definitely been motivated by quote unquote bad emotions or sort of bad drivers namely anger so I went freelance as 
um, for anybody who doesn't know, I went freelance as a result of being made redundant and losing my job. And even though freelancing was something I had long wanted to do, the actual motivation to do it was anger because I was basically so pissed off that I'd been, that I'd lost my job and I felt like I had to prove something. And so a lot of the early days of my freelancing were very much being driven by this, um, by anger basically. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I, I definitely feel more happy and more fulfilled and I, and I'm no longer kind of that this is, that this, that's not the only thing that's motivating by, by me. That is not the only thing motivating me by a long stretch, but it's still something that is there. It's something that I've kind of realized recently and yeah, I don't, I definitely don't have a neat answer to whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't, I think my gut tells me that in the long run, that's not sustainable to be driven by that. But I think it's okay if that's basically the kick up the bum. I think a lot of people who have changed the world have been very, very angry. And I think anger can be a great fire in the belly. But I think, as you say, long-term, if it's about changing something that makes you cross or if it's about proving something, I think that can lead to probably quite a stressful life. I mean, of course, that makes me think about my campaign for pay for freelancers. So I started a campaign um, asking for better pay conditions for freelancers because we get shafted is the is the short answer, is the, is the short version of it. But obviously that was motivated by anger. If I wasn't angry, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have done that. So, but then also at the same time, there's this constant thing in my mind where if you let the anger completely consume you, you become paralyzed to do anything. And you almost, that's when you sort of slip into those even more negative emotions of resentment and um, hopelessness. So as you say, it's basically, it's the, it's the fire in the belly. And it's something that, it's also something that I think you need to be aware of because I think a lot of people get motivated by something like anger and they're not actually aware that that's what's motivating them. So I think it's just checking yourself and being really woo-woo and in touch with your emotions. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a really good question. What do you think though about, you know, good and bad motivators? Fear, I think is a bad one. And when I talk about fear, what I mean is not necessarily people who were working out of fear of losing their jobs because they need their jobs to feed themselves. I'm talking about what I actually think is very common where people are doing things at work out of fear because they're scared of their boss or they're scared something bad's going to happen. So an example might be, I'm going to make, I'm, I, this, pro, this um, document needs to be really, really good because otherwise my boss will shout at me or my boss will hate me. And that I think is a bad motivator. Again, I think the key to motivation is really understanding it because it's almost your core and axis. And once you really nail what is driving me, what's my motivator, why am I doing stuff? You're in a much more powerful position to create the change you might need to ch- create. That, that the fear piece made me think um, of something that I, when I was researching an article I wrote about creativity and creativity hacks, I spoke to a um, neuroscientist who said that fear is not is not a good precursor to creativity and you don't create in a place of fear, you create in a place of safety. And I think fear is something that is so damaging to people's health and well-being and it's just an 
awful thing to have in the workplace. And often fear is actually what leads to procrastination as well, actually. So sometimes you get frozen with fear. Yeah, I, I I definitely have that quite a lot, you know, especially if you're trying to do something new and scary. It's almost this, it's kind of like this weird, um, it's almost like a compulsion where I will be working on something and it will be hard and I and almost have this kind of reflex where I'll just have to click onto another tab and sort of mindlessly scroll on Twitter or something. And, and these things are not good in the grand scheme of things. And, or even just kind of, I've been trying recently to check myself and sort of stop looking at Twitter or Instagram when I kind of feel that need to take a break. And instead I'll just stand up, but I have noticed myself I'll be doing a particular type of task and I'll get stuck on it. And I just, I just have to, it's almost like I, I'm, I almost like have to procrastinate in a weird way. That moves us very nicely onto our final bit where we're going to get practical and talk about what can be done about lack of motivation and indeed procrastination. Stay tuned. Thank you again to our episode sponsor, Moo. I have so many fond memories of Moo because every startup I've ever worked at has used Moo to print their business cards. And I will always remember the excitement and feeling I got when my Moo box arrived to my desk because it would be because I was about to start a new job or I just got a promotion and it was almost like a Moo rite of passage. That's exactly how I also felt when I got my Moo cards when I went freelance. Um, I was also super impressed with the quality and the value. And yeah, getting those Moo cards when I went freelance made me feel like an exec. So go and get your own Moo cards with our special discount, which is Is This Working at Moo.com for 20% off. Let's get back to the show. So Tiffany, how do I stop procrastinating? I actually never procrastinate. That is a bold claim. (laughs) I tell you why I don't procrastinate before everyone hates me. It's because I never see it as procrastination. I really see downtime as part of the process. And I know that I'm motivated by genuine things. I mean, especially now I'm earning so much less money. It's easier to acknowledge that. So I know why I'm doing things. So if there are days when I don't do them, that's cool. It's not procrastination, part of the process. Well, you know what, that actually makes me think of something that I found um, really helpful when I was trying to find tips on how to get more motivated, which is all around reframing the experience. And I found this tip from a woman called Teal Swan, and I really struggle to describe who Teal Swan is. So I looked on her um, website and she actually describes herself as a personal transformation revolutionary. And I will say that 
I know sometimes we are want to go quite woo-woo on this podcast, but I would say Teal Swan is possibly the most woo-woo we could go. Um, so I've, I came across her on her YouTube channel where she sort of does all of these kind of very sort of spiritual videos about anger and love and motivation and all sorts of things. But anyway, she did she did a video about motivation where she was giving very concrete tips about how to um, get motivated. And she talks about needing to find a self-serving motivator. So what that means is if you know what motivates you and you're trying to do something that you really, really don't want to do and you're, you're not inherently motivated to do that thing, you need to find something in that task which you are motivated by. And an an example she used, which really spoke to me personally, was around uh, washing the dishes. Uh, so people who don't want to wash the dishes, which is me, I absolutely hate it. Um, she says, if you're also someone who um, say you want to practice more mindfulness and you want to practice being present in the moment or you want to introduce a meditative practice, basically use the dishes as the opportunity to practice being present. I tried it this morning and I must say it actually did work, which I'm sure Chris will be really pleased about because um, one of his gripes is that I don't do the dishes enough. Uh, I leave my I leave my dirty dishes in the sink, I will confess. But yeah, anyway, the point is, is that you need to reframe the experience. So if you are really clear on what does motivate you and you're trying to do something that you really don't want to do, you kind of need to marry those two together. And I thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about it. And essentially it's, it's basically talking about what you're saying which is you don't see procrastination as a negative and you see it as part of the process reframing is key and I think also what's key is knowing why you're doing something and we've obviously talked a lot about how important that is and I think how you get there is to really think about what kind of life do I want to lead what does it look like what brings me joy and if you don't know then actively walk through your a few days or a week and note on your phone like moments of happiness or fulfillment it might actually be quite surprising and then find ways to um reframe how you're thinking about things with that in mind and I think you might actually be surprised what you come out with and what truly motivates you and what you really enjoy and then as you said with the washing up example you can then apply that to other bits of your life well, exactly. If you're really clear on what your purpose in life and in work and in all other aspects is, you almost kind of have that list of values and you can almost write, I mean, this is really cheesy, but you can almost write yourself a personal mission statement. And if you have all of that clear in your mind, then as you move through life, you just see opportunities to apply that. So even something as mundane and boring as washing the dishes suddenly becomes something that actually you can see in a completely different way. And I actually think that can be really powerful. But I think there is another really important point to be made about motivation, especially in relation to how you can actually get stuff done, which is that people often think that before you can start the thing that you're trying to motivate yourself to do, you need to wait for the motivation to happen. Actually, it goes the other way around first you take action and then the motivation kicks in and the motivation is almost the thing that spurs you to keep going so the absolute best tip to motivate yourself is actually just to get started and just to find a way to actually start the thing that you're trying to do so I've spoken about this before but um, the feedback has been people love this I really highly recommend the Pomodoro technique uh, to get started on a task so 
to recap, the Pomodoro technique is a really, really simple thing. You set a timer on your phone for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and you just focus on one task until the timer is up. And anything that you can do just to start, you actually weirdly will find that once you've got over that initial process, it will start flowing and suddenly the motivation comes. I think that insight is a game changer because you need to get into the car before your motivation can get you to keep driving it. You need to get in the damn thing. How, how good was that? That's really good. That's a really good analogy. The motivation car, the motivation Fiat 500. You just need to get in the car. It's just like put on your little Pomodoro timer. Exactly. You're in the car. Exactly. It's not, it's exactly. And, and I think the other thing to think about related to this is if you are really struggling to get into that motivational car, the problem might be that you actually don't want to get in it. I'm going to stop with this metaphor, so I'm going to push it too far. But if you're, if, if there's some, if you really, really can't start on the task, there is something telling you that you really don't want to do it. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about things that you feel like you should do. Obviously going back to things like dishes and errands and boring stuff. No one wants to do those. That's, that's separate. But what I'm talking about is people who think that they should be doing some big creative project because I don't know, they've kind of always thought that they, that that's something they want but actually they can't start on it not not for any other reason other than they don't actually want that thing absolutely motivations need to be genuine and not influenced by what everyone else is doing and i think that is a really great note to end this episode on good luck to everyone out there who is trying to fire up their motivational fiat 500s and we will be back next week with more bad puns and work-based happiness tips i can't believe you said that pun was bad i thought it was brilliant (laughs) (laughs) no i loved it i loved it it was great Um, it was great see isn't it fun working with friends bye everybody (laughs) this episode was brought to you by moo we've got 20 percent off at Moo for listeners of Is This Working. Simply enter the code Is This Working at moo.com for 20% off your order. That's Is This Working, all one word without the question mark. More details and T's and C's in the show notes. You are listening to Is This Working with your hosts, Anna Codrerado and Tiffany Philippou. The show was produced by Chris Bannister. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode if you enjoyed it. It will help other people find it. And of course, we want to hear from you because this podcast is all about how we can improve all our working lives. Email us at isthisworkingshow at gmail.com and tweet us at isthis underscore working. Thanks for listening. Bye.